In the far future, faster-than-light travel is possible via portals called stiffworks. Human and alien civilizations travel this way for millennia. Trade, war, and technology proliferate. Countless societies rise, thrive, fall, and vanish. Eventually, almost everyone forgets the secrets of the stiffworks. Almost. 300 years ago, the worshipful company of Stillfleeters is formed on Spindle, a space station of unknown origin. They send fleeters into the void using stiffworks in search of profit. It is 100 million years in the future. Welcome to Float City. Previously on Float City, the crew taxed to the coom, a late Tefnian magistrate class war machine ship unstuck in time. They're there with their manted guide, cellar door, to steal its heart, an ever-shifting object which powers the vessel in which they need to enter a signing ceremony held on Terra, one which will seal a trade deal between the Council of the Meadow Egg and Brandish Tam, a trade lord the Saffron Anox would like stopped. While on the coom, a cellar door accidentally ingests highly advanced nanite-infused blood and begins undergoing an uncomfortable, occasionally violent transformation into a blooder. But the team is not waylaid. Supporting, and with the support of cellar door, they locate the heart of the coom, which Oat steals with a plum. We join the crew now, having fought their way back through a quantumly confused war machine and tacked back to Terra. They trudge through the razor grass fields back towards Meadow Egg, the signing ceremony mere hours away. Marcus is pushing Razorgrass out of the way and, uh, you know, talking to Cellador behind him. I know you're going through a bunch of changes right now, but in general, you're going to have to get used to the sight of blood. Uh, I don't... Uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it too much further. Uh, listen, guys, I know you... I want to help, but I feel awful. And when you look at her, it's like her her skin is uh, where it was once, like a sort of bright green. It's starting to get uh, kind of dull, like like kind of gray. And it's like her, you know, her big eyes are pointing in different directions. And parts of her clothing are just kind of vaporizing. There's these steady streams of vapor coming off of her. Nothing's disappearing from her. Like it's the material is not decreasing in amount as it vaporizes. There's just these little wisps rising from her body. Uh, she's having a hard time walking. Mm. Oh, cellar door! I feel like you look. Oh <laughs> boy, I gate travel not sitting well with me. Ay ay ay! What? Beastie, beastie! Yeah. Did my did my face paint hold up? 
and, and we see, of course, Oat. Oat is, you know, he, he, in this in this timeline, he's still got the corgi mix with a gorilla head, face, and body, like a two, like just the torso. Uh, everything else is dozens of bug arms uh like a scudagera uh he uh, uh <laughs> and he's scrambling around and we see that half of his face has been painted to resemble a beautiful symmetrical uh bug <laughs> you know it, it 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 held up surprisingly well did you use a primer i didn't no i got this at the face painting booth on the way out of the comb <laughs> well it looks great it was nice to see that whole section of the ship still having a relatively good time with lots of, uh, you know, little booths and a, kind of a fair going on. I didn't expect that at all. It was sad when the giant brain monster came and smashed most of it, but we got out. <laughs> here's my here's my he- my head cannon. Is that the fair was to celebrate the successful mutiny that we helped with? Ah, yes, like an Independence Day of sorts. Yeah, but then the brain. Well, look, the food uh, was great. It was. It was. I will uh, never say a bad thing about the food. Nope. And Remy's just holding up a piece of meat. Unclear what it is. <laughs> there was something for everyone, I guess. Yes, even nuts and bolts for me. All of a sudden, Venus goes quiet. Because somewhere, at some time, you see that the strange planet has turned one full rotation. And Venus's eyes go white. And this bug thing is crawling under his skin. And Venus rolls. Pluck your bones. Can I just say, while this is happening, yes. we pick Venus up and carry him? Because we know what's going on, <laughs> and he just needs to keep moving. He's surprisingly rigid, so yeah, you yeah. can like, kind of carry him yeah, almost yeah, like yeah. a standee. Okay. Yeah, you see, Celador, you're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, like, we got a guy full of little robots. We got a guy that does this. He's doing it again. <laughs> Beta Combat eats nuts and bolts, even though he's not supposed to. No, I'm supposed to eat. Well, not bolts. They go straight to my thighs. <laughs> Uh, Remy sees sees Venus go rigid uh, and looks at BC and nods and like picks up one end and waits for her to pick up the other end. Sometimes he can walk like uh, like almost like an automaton, but sometimes he just goes rigid and that's when you have to carry him. But right now he's tumbling, tumbling down a world of bones, a galaxy of bones, and he opens the box. And Venus rolls 10 plus 5 is over 9, which means he does in fact get his successful hold. Venus is incredibly lucky today. And Venus opens his eyes and he goes, the bones make me smile. And then he um, says, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Yes, you can let go of me now. Uh, And he stands up and uh, follows everyone. He was successful in his pluck your bones uh, role. That means that no matter what is going on, if I'm not in a location I want to be, I could burn this hold that I've successfully rolled and be ready to appear anywhere, anywhere in the universe um, with whatever I need to be there. If, if that's like a special suit I need to have on, if that needs to anything and that's going to happen. And the GM is, and this is my favorite part of it. The GM is required to justify this in the narrative and in the canon. It has to make a hundred percent sense <laughs> and he can't do anything. He or she or they cannot do anything to stop this or impede this in any way. <laughs> do the rules include consequences for DMs that don't follow the rules? <laughs> wife, wife comes to your house. Yeah. It doesn't, but I want wife to come to your house. Yeah. <laughs> 
that sounds nice. I would yes. love it if wife came to my house. Well, that's why he couldn't write it because people would be abusing the rule. Oh, sorry, with a with a knife. With yeah. a knife, well, but, see, but I got all he's these such a nice guy. I don't think he would use it. <laughs> yeah. Um, after everybody picks up Venus and puts him back down, uh, cellar door hobbling behind you. Parts of her chitin fall off and then are immediately reformed, but each time they're slightly darker. And she says, while, while it was nice to have some time with the captain before we had to kill him, I, I, and, and, and I feel uh, fulfilled in the experiences that I had. Uh, I feel very fulfilled in um, having navigated the coom with you. I... I I don't know if I'm going to make it to this, to the party. Um, Remy, I think she's ready for the talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Cellador, uh, you, you need to know, like, two things. One, you're going to be fine, because if you weren't going to be fine, it would have already happened. You would be dead already. So there's that. Second, you're, it's just, you'll get over this, and you'll feel great. You'll feel better than you've ever felt. And things will be good. Uh, you won't be able to have any friends or family, um... Unless they're like these, I mean, I love, I love their fuck ups. We work together. We've worked together for a long time, but it's professional, right? Yeah. You're going to be an outcast. You will never be able to rejoin your old life, but it'll be good. Also, you'll eat people. That's why you can't get close to them. Her mandibles on her face. There's, you know, like four of them sort of like, if you've ever seen like a predator movie, um, they just fall off. Oh, no. And then they immediately regrow, but instead of chitin, they look like they're made of steel. Oh, no. You look... See, that's called You look cool as hell. You're going to be impossible (laughs) to kill, and you're going to be able to do a bunch of cool shit. Yeah, take it from me. Turn and face the strange. Turn and face the strange. She tries to pull her folio out of her thing to seemingly maybe want to write down turn and face the strange and she just drops it on the ground but doesn't Mm. stop to get it she just keeps walking remy picks it up and hands it back to her look you're gonna need this because i know you like to take notes um either that or we could just kill you now i mean what is your choice listen no one's killing anyone on my watch okay i didn't say we were gonna do it but look if she's gonna be miserable listen cellar door I have some gunch at the mm. bottom of my purse. Why did I get. think of that? I Not with the don't like to carry Ugh. it around with this group, but would you like some? Yeah, gunch her up. Just do it. It's ditch gunch. <laughs> it is. I wouldn't recommend it. I think she's beyond recommending. Uh, and BC puts it in uh, cellar doors, <laughs> one of her hands, if they're still <laughs> yeah, they're attached. So, um, yeah, she had four, and now she has six. Um, and one of them detached and attached to Mercus, but it since uh, fell off and is slowly regrowing. <laughs> so there's a, like a tiny arm uh, that's coming out of her side at the bottom. Uh, and you can put it in that one and she can, you know, sort of throw what you've given her into her mouth, you know, without even really looking. She's like really swaying back and forth. She's very clearly out of it. And she perks up a little bit when she takes it. You know, she's got fast metabolism, so it kicks in pretty quick. And she says, okay. Okay, it, okay, you do need you do need a chaperone to get in and I, I don't know how many other people would would know the ceremony. If you guys are okay with like being patient, I, I, yeah, I guess I can keep you're sure it's okay if I yeah, 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Quick sidebar with my colleagues here. Yes, Oat? Uh, so, she is in a bad way. I've, it's gross. She's gonna die. It's gross. She might die. It's not clear yet. (laughs) Looking good. I don't think we have time to find another chaperone who would be in on it. Uh, hmm. Remy, you didn't bring any snacks I, with you. Yeah, yike! Uh, Remy rummages through his pack. Yeah, do we? Oh, yeah, get, yeah. Uh, somebody's got to have some uppers or I something. Got, right? I mean, I got some wine. I got um, I got. And he, he pulls nope. out a button. I got a button. I got <laughs> a button. Wine. A button? Is that a button? It's a button. I don't know what it does. Uh, uppers, and you want to? You talk oh, about a button? I got. I got a. <sighs> and he pulls out um some sea beam. He's got like a very powerful psychedelic. No, 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 CB. Okay, okay. Look, no. hey, hey. You want to babysit that? We're already while it's on CB on a mission. Okay, we're already babysitting. That's true. That was the last of my gunch. Maybe we just get her to get us in, and then we just stick her somewhere and hope for the best. Every planet's got some kind of calf drink. Look, it might even be better if we bring her because we just have to disrupt the festival, right? We don't have to do anything. If she's fucked up there, that's great. Yeah, we'll just use her to get in and then whatever happens is fine. You know, I'll set her off. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll take care of it. She's our distraction and our, our entry fee. Get in, let her go home to rest and die, and then we go to work. <laughs> Sounds very sweet, oh, Oat. Thank you. Yeah. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but if she dies there, that's better for us. Yes, that's true. All right, well, we'll try to see if she can help us get in. But once we're in, we need to think of what we can do. We need these people are highly suspicious. We need something that seems like a sign, a sign from above that this is not wanted by the higher gods of the Mantai. Yeah, I don't know what these freaks are into. Hey, Celador. I can't help you. Just one time. Celador. 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 All you have to do, just don't, just. Hello. Dis- you disrespect, disrespect her. her. Ow! Wait, she said she's already answering the question. Sorry. <laughs> disrespect the newly what? Answer louder. The newly born, the newly made, the newly. Uh, you smack her and she goes, You will not handle me this way. Oh, no. <laughs> she mo- momentarily expands and <gasps> turns bright red and then shrinks again. Oh, oh we are sorry. We, we thought we were helping. That's a good point. Thank you. This um, is perfect for the party. Uh, just disrespect towards the newly hatched. Newly hatched. Dis- oh, write it down. Write it down. Hatched. Venus, write it down. I've got it down. Disrespect towards first, the newly yes, hatched. And that, what? what? The first, first gift given without oh, warning. Yeah. What? The first gift given without warning. Would it help if I connect her mind to ours? Because then uh, she wouldn't have I to don't talk. Know. I don't, don't think do so. That. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have nightmares if that happens. I think she thinks in Mantid anyway. Artifice. Just perf- performance in a sacred setting. Remy a slaps her again. In a sacred just setting. to see what will happen. Don't slap her, please. <laughs> um, a wall of black dust uh, forms in front of your hand and just stops it. Nice. Nice. No, Remy, Remy's smiling. He's pleased. Her development's coming along nicely. Okay, wait. So she said that. All right, here we have um, disrespect towards the newly hatched to... Um, that makes sense. A lot of people, you got to be nice to the young and the yes, old. To- to create a performance. First gift given without warning. And then a performance of artifice? Is that what it was? 
Telador, what kind of performance is bad? In a sacred place. Oh. Jolly. I think a joyous performance in a, in a sacred place. We put on a play? Could be. Could be. What is the natural enemy of the praying mantis? A praying mantis. <laughs> a gun. A gun. That's right. A good guy with a gun. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When Oat says a gun, she sort of snaps to a little bit and becomes a little bit more focused. And she looks at all of you and she says, "It will be extremely dangerous for any of you to 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 break the taboos." Why? Just, uh, there's there's going to be armed guards oh, that's all fine. over the place. We do that. Wait, but. I think she's saying that there's another option. Oh. What's the other option other than us? Yeah, someone else to... I Hire know. someone? A band of performers? Wait, you guys, you guys, I have a plan. Just trust me. Ah. When we get there, just trust me. Oh, this is always going to work. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> no more questions. <laughs> you, you continue walking through the meadow uh, between the Stiffworks and uh, the Meadow Egg, the town, to the clearing. When you get to the clearing, um, you see now the clearing is full. Uh, the clearing has all of these like vehicles, all of these conveyances, some obviously Terran, some obviously from Offworld, just crowding the place. Uh, in the interim, since you've been gone, since you've been uh, shifting and bumping through time on the Coom, uh, a lot of people have arrived, and you see them. Uh, you see their vehicles. You see them all about in the town. When you were here previously, it was mostly Mantis people, mostly you know locals, and now it's maybe mostly not locals. And when you look to the ziggurat um, and the gate that was around it, that black undulating gate, you can now see that part of that gate is open. There's an opening. It's no longer connected. And it leads right to the center of one side of the ziggurat, uh, the side that faces closest to town. And leading to it is a long line of people. There's just a lot of folks, and they're waiting to get in. You see them holding various strange objects, uh, and you see every single one of them has, uh, every group has its own manted chaperone. As do we. Uh, Remy puts his arm around Celador. Um, you can probably get an arm around, like, very low thorax or a leg. I think low thorax. He's, tr he's both supporting her, but also, like, He's also, he's got the same problem as she does. He knows what it's like. Yeah, you feel definitely a bit of a kinship with her. She doesn't force you off. She definitely needs the help. Uh, and you feel her lean on you a little bit. You know, she really does not shy away from putting some weight on you. All right, who's got our, our pass here? BC is holding the heart of Coom. She keeps trying to look at it because it seems like it's beautiful, but... It's kind of hard to look at, right? Yeah. Um, when you look at it, what does it look like? It's on seeing her reflection, she thinks, but uh, then it burns her eyes. And she doesn't <laughs> even have eyes. And so that is a feeling. Yeah. Mercus is uh, kind of uh, putting an arm behind BC, uh, pushing her up to the front of our group. As you get closer and closer, you see that the very heavily armed unhumans still ring the perimeter of the ziggurat and they form a kind of gauntlet between the parted entryway of the black gate 
And what you can now see is another kind of like uh, black surface that everybody seems to be entering into to get into the ziggurat. Just to make sure probably that no one goes around to the sides uh, to where you saw all of the vat gnomes organizing the piles and piles of archaeotech that are still there. You see that as people pass through the undulating black gate, the gap in it, they hand their archaeotech that they are using uh, as uh, their ticket to get entry to uh, one of a few unhuman warriors. You see that they have uh, laser gisales. They have various implements uh, hanging around their waists on their belts that are obviously implements of, uh, of torture, of pain application, things with handles and spikes, other smaller weapons. They are armed to the teeth, and there is, uh, there's a fair number of them. You also see a, like a welcoming party of mantids uh, at the entryway of the ziggurat, uh, dressed in outfits that kind of accentuate uh, the already kind of angular appearance of mantids. It's this colorful dress with lots of uh, spikes and corners and edges. And as each group gets to this welcoming party, they hand off their archaea attack, and each mantid chaperone uh, consorts with this group for a few seconds. And then you hear a lot of uh, clicking and buzzing and whirring, and then in a flutter of arms and wings, the groups disappear through that black surface that you see at the bottom of the ziggurat. And I think that you might all, as you get closer and closer, recognize it as a gate, a portal into the Escheresque. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Yes, uh, Venus looks at everyone to make sure that they're prepared to, uh, for a voyage, even if brief, into the Asheresque, and they proceed. Cool as ice. Cool as ice. Celador, are we good? Celador is still swaying, and Remy, you can feel she lets go. Uh, she is no longer putting any weight on you. She's tall, so she reaches over BC's head, pulls the vasular multi-object out of her hands from above. She says sort of forward um, to the group of you, but not to any particular one of you, don't say anything. And she straightens up and... Did you hear that, Remy? Don't say anything. Remy slaps Oat. <laughs> Mercus hits Oat with his hat. Oh, you know what I like. This <laughs> is like a Three Stooges sketch now. Her clothing changes. It just, in an instant, like you blink and it's different. You don't see anything move, it's just different. She's no longer wearing this hype beast bomber jacket uniform that's dissipating into these wisps. She's wearing an extremely smart gray suit. It's a flat panel gray suit with this wide, high collar uh, that even seems like it has like insignia on it or like pins or, or decorations, like almost like it's uh, military in nature. And it is like it is tailored to her body. It's very strange to see a suit for a humanoid shape that fits a mantis person this well. She walks forward, she pushes through the group of you, uh, and stands at the front. You wait a few more turns. 
see the celebration happen, this consort with the welcoming party, the celebration, the buzzing, the clicking, and people going through the portal to the Escheresque. And then it's your turn. She steps forward very confidently, without looking, hands the heart of Coombe off to an unarmed, to a forearmed, armed, unhuman, who takes it and places it gingerly alongside everything else. And she begins uh, what appears to be a kind of ceremony uh, between her and uh, the welcoming party. Uh, There's um, some rhythmic clicking. Uh, There's what is kind of a dance, but it seems very serious. I was going to say, it's almost like a very serious secret handshake. It's like, you know when Mm. people have a secret handshake together and they do it, and it's kind of like important that they get it right. So they take on this air of very serious performance of getting the pattern down. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how else to describe it other than other than that. <laughs> so they, they do this back and forth, uh, this very uh, rhythmic, almost geometric uh, arrangement of limbs and wings and clicking and whistling. And at the end, it's the same conclusion that you've seen a couple times. Uh, a flutter of arms and wings, and then the welcoming party parts, and you can go through the gate that's in front of you. And cellar door doesn't even turn around to look at you. She just goes in. And you see her disappear through the gate. Remy's right behind him. Venus follows. As does BC. Oh, does not. You walk through the portal. Entering the ziggurat is like entering a ziggurat reflected in a kaleidoscope Hmm. uh, around a central point these stepped ziggurat-like shaped spaces extend in all of these strange and difficult to understand dizzying dimensions at the center of that space there's a dais of some kind or an altar it's a, it's a focal point. There's definitely like a spot that you are meant to look, a, a platform. And it's at the exact core of this sphere-like thing of space that you've entered. And just looking around, it's almost like the building that you entered was used as a stamp to push through or push away empty space, almost at random. You can see dignitaries standing on what appear to be walls and ceilings. Platforms float at perpendicular angles. You see bright pink beverages being poured sideways. You all feel horrible. Oh, don't uh-huh. look at the pink sauce. <laughs> I don't we, miss can this. We breathe? You can breathe. Okay. But you, you do have to take D4 minus D will plus D reason grit damage. Venus lost two grit, which is very good for Venus, and he feels great. Remy lost four. He's feeling all right. Marcus lost eight. He's feeling queasy. Um, Beta's arm got stuck in the Escheresque <laughs> as she, like, I don't know. She like kind of got lost in her way and she kind of was in there for too long. She Jason um, derulo down the stairs into the Escheresque. <laughs> yeah, and she uh, took 15. Hot dog. Oh. Does she have any left? Yeah, she does. Okay, good. But she, and also she does absorb grit every hour. That's okay. That's nice. Yeah. That's good. And oat lost four. 
Friends, listeners, game players, I am going to break into the show really quickly right here, very briefly, just for a brief, but a nano, but a nanosecond to remind you that you have only eight scant days from the upload date of this episode to back the Stillfleet Kadita Kickstart Kadita. I'm so excited. I can't even talk. Kadita Kickstarter. It is the first new source book from the Stillfleet crew that you know and love. And as you might guess, given the appearance of the core rulebook, core rulebook, core rulebook, it's beautiful and amazing and interesting. And there's so much good stuff and it's fully funded. So now you're just going and you're, you're just going to purchase it and then help them hit their stretch goals, which means that they're going to make more amazing things. And hey, if you missed the core rulebook, I said it right this time, the first time around, and you would like one, a beautiful physical object to hold in your grubby little mitts, you can do that too at the Kadita Kickstarter, which you should. Because listen, I I have touched a lot of books in my life. I'm a I'm an inveterate book toucher, and this is one of the best books that, that I that I have ever beheld, both metaphorically and be beheld-ing, behold, beholded, holded with my hands, being me, it, holding it. It's great. You should get it. Okay, this has gone on longer than a nanosecond. Links in the show notes. Everybody gets through, you see this strange ziggurat-ish sphere that you've entered with people standing on walls and ceilings, drinks being poured sideways. There's a big crowd in here, uh, which I don't think is a surprise. You stood in a long line to get in. Um, cellar door is right out front, uh, sort of taking it all in, maybe trying to regain her composure, uh, having now entered the Escher-esque. And yeah, you see all of the attendees and they're all still tended to by their mantis chaperones, but you see a massive rotund man uh, floating millimeters off of the ground, eight eyeballs orbiting his skull like satellites. They were, and they buzz, and with him is a tiny, mousy man uh, who has a beard made of beetles. Ah! You look across <laughs> the group of people who are in attendance, and you see a number of waitons uh, wearing fish leather vests and uh, fish leather almost kilts, including one that is obviously very old and holding a cane. You see a Hannah in a very smart dark blue officer's uniform and her retinue of underlings also in what looks like official like police or law enforcement or military dress. You see a bunch of rats in a purple cloak um, and uh, they appear to be having a conversation with a bunch of Dool Dool in a trench coat. What's Dool Dool? Yeah, I don't know that we've encountered those. I don't know. That was they are, they're called, they're multi-robots and they look like tiny little rabbits. Oh. Hmm. Cute. That's nice. They're, they're sort of like a hive mind kind of thing. Nice. Marcus shudders and he doesn't know why. Everybody's attended to by a legion of vat gnomes. Uh, they are walking around handing out drinks, having conversation, handing out hors d'oeuvres. Uh, you see things on platters that look like, I don't know, just, just like black jelly, I guess. And uh, yeah, everybody's just kind of milling around talking. Uh, nothing appears to be happening at the moment. Oh, I should also mention, of import, uh, there is also no shortage of armed guards inside the ziggurat as well. For every one attendee, there is maybe also one four-armed, armed, unhuman warrior that is here with a jazale strung with various other implements. And um, 
None of them are talking. They're all just sort of watching. Oh, Mike, I, uh, I have so many questions. Uh, yes. So we're in the Escheresque right now. That is correct. Mm-hmm. But the local area is like there's a buffet, there's gravity, there's a floor. Yep. There's there's air. Yep, there's air. The buffet is black slime. But there's like someone has localized our 4D space in this Escheresque bubble. I would mm-hmm. say that you would probably understand that someone has either put a lot of work into or has many objects that give them the capability to make the Escheresque slightly more comfortable and familiar for a party setting such that it's like, it's still unpleasant when you enter it because it's, you know, like your dimensions get all messed up. Mm. But like, it is now a place where you can stand on the walls as opposed to not really knowing where up is. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's more like, the Escheresque from from the posters than than the Escheresque from the still yeah. seat. It's like a, yeah, stairs yeah. and not like a thread. Yeah, yeah. It's like when, yeah. when they when they have to make a movie and they got to depict the Escheresque, this is sort of what it's like. Because, yes. you know. David Bowie, bulge, prominent, yes. walking Love around. Uh, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, you want your baby brother in the labyrinth? You can have him. Why do you want your baby brother, Sarah? <laughs> Actually, the, the thing that you're in is the crystal sphere that he juggles in. Yes. Ah. <laughs> yes. Okay, that all, now it all makes sense. The whole, all of Still Fleet makes sense now. And I'm walking down the wall. <laughs> now, Mike, here's my second question. Do we see anyone who is visibly newly hatched? <laughs> um, in addition to all of the obvious dignitaries with their manted chaperones. There are also many uh, manteds here in the ceremonial dress that you saw on the way in. And I think given the conversations that you've had with the Saffron and Ox and Cellar Door, you would guess that these are the council members. These are the people mm-hmm. who are responsible for shepherding this deal through designing this scenario, this pageantry, the people who want to engage with Brandish Tam, even if the locals are somewhat against it. And there is absolutely one of those Mantis people has shown up with what I think you could probably call her entire family. (laughs) So Taylor, why don't you roll a D20 and tell us how many... (laughs) Mantis children she has shown up with. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 14. Oh, my God. Wow. They would all be female. Uh, all of the male babies will either have been killed or already sold into slavery. So Yes, queens. Yes, queens. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, to answer your question, there you go. There are 14 newly hatched. They're kind of, they look um, rubbery. Mm. Mm. They're mm. maybe four feet tall. Um, And they are off uh, at the far end of the ziggurat sphere on a platform that is tilted 45 degrees towards you. And um, they are standing dutifully behind their mother as she uh, has parlay with someone who you can just barely make out, some dignitary that's visiting. Are we thinking they have uh, object permanence yet? Yeah, I look at them. Are any of them behaving in a way that would suggest they understand that objects are permanent? (laughs) They're standing dutifully. I think they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, uh, if one of you has clairaudience and uh, uses it, uh, then you would hear one of them say uh, very clearly, I know that the ball that you put behind your back is still there. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, there you go. Yeah. 
ki kids these days. Um, Remy's going to look for where the vat gnomes are getting their drinks. Is there like a, a spot? Uh, yeah, to the left, like ba banking left and going up a little bit, uh, there is kind of like a floating platform uh, that just uh, has like a mobile kitchen on it, I guess uh, you, could, you could describe it as. And they're going there and picking things up as they uh, kind of just appear out of nowhere. And is there like a drink area that looks central? Um, not really. Most of it's just sort of like coming to people. They're you know, they're walking around uh, with serving platters. Yeah, I think Remy's going to break away from the group and walk that way toward the kitchen. Okay. Well, right as you do, Venus is looking around and he goes, "Okay, Remy, now what's your plan?" And he looks around, and you're already gone. Uh, Looks like he's already on it. I'm sure he's just going to reconnoiter. Uh, you know, <laughs> he'll be back with information. Uh, Remy uh, <laughs> makes eye contact with uh, BC and nods, expecting her to, you know, do the thing she always does, which is link everyone's minds when they're doing a job. And at first, she just links her mind with Remy. Do you need something? No, I'm doing, I'm doing, I have a plan. I'm oh, infiltrating. Oh, oh, okay. I'll get everyone else in here. Thank you. Ooh, this is a fancy affair. Look at that. There's catering and there's people on the walls. What kind of rich asshole, you know, throws a party in the Escherasque? And some upstart trade lord, that's who. This brandish damn character. Oh, gosh. Uh, yes, I'm going to tell Salador that she's no longer needed and she could go get some rest and some chicken soup. Sweetheart, you are looking great in the gills. You need to go <laughs> lie down and have a nap. You can go. Thank you for getting us in. We appreciate it so much. On behalf of the Saffron and Knox, thank you. I'm picturing Oat saying this and like slowly walking backwards away from her. Hundred percent. Yeah, he sounds he like he, he looks like a stranded beast. She is motionless. Mm -mm. Hello, and Mercus uh, waves a hand in front of her eyes. Uh-oh. She snaps too when you do that, uh, because you have to jump to get in front of her eyes, and that's <laughs> oh, like enough yeah. of commotion, whatever. It snaps her out of it for a second. She says, oh, um, yeah, uh, good idea. Yeah, <laughs> baby girl, you go home, get some self-care. She walks further into the party. Okay, bye! Okay. <laughs> Hello and goodbye. All right. She's not a ticking time bomb. <laughs> I don't. I think that's the best we're gonna do. Remy, what's the plan? Don't remember those drugs that I had. Oh, the hallucinogens, the ones that are too powerful to take safely. Yes. Sea beam. Don't drink the punch. <laughs> okay. You okay. wow. put sea beam oh, in the punch. Good. That's a gracious. I said I had a plan. Uh, I'm going to do it. Do you have All any right. objections? I, was, I didn't want to tell you just in case you look, did. Look, I, I don't know if any of you noticed, but there are hundreds of guards here armed to the teeth. This is this purely reconnaissance for now. But like I said just a second ago, don't drink the punch, no matter what, just in case. Okay. I was never going to drink that stuff. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Remy, if you do that, make sure you're not caught or we're all dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So there were three taboos that could ruin yes. the big uh, contract uh, ritual. 
and I remember what they are, but maybe yes. Marcus or Vitos could tell us. Let's all say one. I'll start with the one I know, and that is... Don't say the newly hatched don't one. Don't say disrespect it. the newly hatched. Shit. I said it. Shit! <laughs> ah, you can all hear my thoughts! <laughs> well, performing in a sacred space. That was the performing other one. Performing in the sacred space, yes. Fragility in the sacred space, yes. The last one was a, an unexpected gift. When it wasn't asked for? Oh, the first gift. First First gift. gift. First unexpected gift. First gift given that's unexpected. Okay, so be nice to kids. Don't give a gift to anyone. And don't break out into monologue. I don't know. Or any sort of jovial performance. All the performance in here has to be sacred and serious and to the book. Marcus, no juggling. Aww. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Mercus, <laughs> Mercus, very forlornly puts away his juggling balls. <laughs> three, three clubs, three bowling pins. His shoulders are sagging. Yeah. <laughs> we need all of these things to happen, or at least one. <laughs> but who and how do we get someone else to do it? Because I personally, I got, I, that's what this. I personally, I have things I need to do back home that I'd like to get out of here. That's what the sea beam is for. And uh, Remy is, I guess, standing in front of the kitchen. Okay. You walk afloat uh, to this round platform. Most of the platforms that are in the space are square. They have corners and edges. This one's round. And it's got a hole cut out in the middle of it. So it's sort of like a donut. And in the middle of the donut is stand floating um, a a group of vat gnomes. And uh, there's three of them. And they all three of them have a device. It's the same device. And it looks like an overturned copper bucket with handles on either side. And the handles have clearly have like buttons on the inside of them. Uh, It's like a sippy cup. It's like a turned over sippy cup. And they put it down on the bar and they flex their hands a little bit because they're pushing buttons, and they pull it up, and the drink is there. And then other vat gnomes come, pick it up, and walk away with it. Uh, And there's just this ongoing dance, this very steady flow of uh, drinks being made, drinks being taken away, empty glasses being returned, uh, they're being hidden underneath this device again, and when it's lifted, the empty glass is gone. Um, how complex would you say this thing is? Uh, like as a piece of machinery? Yes. Let me get some dice. Hold on. Relatively complicated. It definitely is exchanging matter in some way in order to mint consumable material from literally extremely thin air. Yeah, so Remy, Remy is sidling up to the vat gnomes um, and looking at them very closely. And then he shakes his head and looks at their drink maker thing. Because Remy can, he has a power that lets him construct replicas that function of objects. And he was thinking about creating a new vat gnome and using a bucket to administer sea beam. But it, he figures maybe it's just worth it to craft the bucket and slip it in and hope none of the vat gnomes, the vat gnomes are too busy to notice. What is the power that you want to use called? Called copy. I'll tell you exactly how it works. Uh, your blood can construct a facsimile of an object out of the ambient dust around you. This object is permanent. Its likeness is not exact, but it functions. The cost to make a given thing depends on its mass and complexity, parentheses, its negative entropy. So it's like to make a door or something, it takes like three grit. To make a more complex door, it takes more grit. 
But this power only takes a few seconds to work, regardless of the final cost. And theoretically, it's unbounded. You could create a planet if you wanted to. And had enough grid. Huh. If you want to make a drink bucket from your blood, it's going to cost you 10 grit. That's not a small amount of grit. For the listener, that's a hefty amount. That's, that's most of my remaining grit. So. Mm-hmm. That's a walking through the Escheresque amount of grit. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. And Remy Ed goes quiet and walks behind some piece of cover, whether that's a vat gnome or a, a, another guest or uh, a pillar. Yeah, the, the concept of, of behind where you are is extremely complicated, but I'm mm. going to, uh, for now, I'm going to give it to you. He, he walks behind a vat gnome, lets his hands sort of hang down below their heads and uh, uses copy. He holds his hands as though he's holding one of the buckets. And then in an instant, uh, the space around him is a little bit cleaner uh, and he's got a bucket in his hands. It looks kind of like the bucket that they're using and it, it you know, he clicks the buttons on top and is hoping that stuff works. You click the buttons and out of it falls a fluted glass, which you haven't seen here yet, filled with a green effervescent liquid that you also haven't seen here. So <laughs> you've, yeah, you've, it seems like it does things. Uh, Remy looks around, sets the bucket down. And kneels down as though he's tying a shoelace or something. Like he's he's got he's got something to do on the ground very urgently. That's also very normal. Uh, and retrieves the sea beam, sticks it on the inside of the bucket, and stands back up. So here's what you need to do. Yeah, I need a perception check or some shit. All I want you to do is I want you to roll movement, okay. and I really want you to beat six. Okay. Seven. Seven. <laughs> six. Nice. So close, baby. Oh, my God. (laughs) There is a flurry of activity at the moment that you copy the drink bucket. And all of the vat gnomes around you are very busy. And there are not many guests in this area because of all of the foot traffic of the vat gnomes moving in all of these dimensions and directions with their drinks and their snacks. And you picked a good pillar or a vat gnome to hide behind. Whatever it is you are, quote, unquote, with several layers of quotes behind, it was it was the right <laughs> it's thing. It's mostly his hands behind a vat gnome's like body. They're solid little guys. When you put this thing down on the donut bar, no one sees you do it. As you walk away, if you turn back and look, you see a vat gnome see it, look around, notice that no one's using it, pick it up, and just start making drinks. You see. <laughs> Pink liquid, pink liquid, pink liquid. Oh my God, Remy, you absolute legend. Gonna be a great party, guys. Okay, now what's the next step in your plan? Oh, that was it. (laughs) Okay. Now we wait. It works pretty quickly. We'll start to see what happens soon. So I will remind everyone, both in the game and outside of the game, so C-Beam is a hallucinogen, a drug that the players, the characters took in the original arc of Float City, it is a drug that purports to show you something that is true. (laughs) It purports to show you something that actually happened, but that's as Mm. far as it goes. (laughs) Um, You have a very intense out-of-body experience. What you are shown is in fact the case, but that's it. Uh, I believe that the hallucinations that you all had were like, 
in a field in Iceland. I forget what some of them. Do you do? Do as any? Do any of you was remember? in Chicago for Chicago, a minute? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah one of them yeah. in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Introducing a powerful hallucinogen to a party's drink supply is always a recipe for some kind of bad behavior, yeah. no matter what the hallucinogen is. Yeah, but how will that bad behavior get us to our goal, Remy? You remember how you, you're not supposed to act jolly in a sacred space? As a performance, yes. Buddy, we, we got performers. They're getting recruited right now. I don't think C-Beam does what you think it does. <laughs> Did you have a plan? I don't think so. They might just be comatose when they drink those. Well, we should. Should we blend in? Should we talk to people? What should we do until, you know, the tide comes in? I think we need to make some friends. We could. I also have uh, grenades. <laughs> well, because we can't execute anything. We have to find other people to do it. We could put the grenades somewhere. I think I'm going to go make friends with that woman with the 14 kids. I'm going to find out what their weaknesses are. Yes, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go with Venus. Yes. I'm going to go speak to one of these bat gnomes and just, <laughs> just kind of see what uh, their deal is. I'll go with you, BC. Great. Oh, so I'm just here? Fuck. Remy's going to float over to cellar door. Would you be able to find her? <laughs> There's a lot of mantids in there. Yeah. I'm going to say just um, roll Will. Six. You cannot locate her. Uh, can I use my visor too? Yeah, sure. Roll a D100. 52. Nice. Roll a D12. Nine. It smells like peanut butter. Peanut butter and cardboard. Hmm. You know you're in the right area. Roll a D6. That's four. Everything goes black. Hmm. You don't see anything now. Two seconds pass. You see a bright pink mass far off on the other side of the ziggurat and it's undulating it's like changing shape it's vaguely manted it's definitely vaguely manted everything else in the room turns from black to like gray doesn't get much brighter than an outline so you got close but you didn't nail it you're pretty sure that is cellar door you thought the right thing you knew you were in the right neighborhood at the end, it kind of started to smell like burning tires. That's not one that you want to get to. Getting to her would be hard because it's hard to see what's around you. Anybody looking at Remy at the moment, the lotus pod visor covering his face is blinking all kinds of shining mm. like lights, uh, like multicolored, like a disco on the front of his face. Can't be the weirdest thing happening in the room. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Hope they don't consider it dancing. Um, I'm gonna roll to find out whether or not they consider that uh, frivolity or jollity. <laughs> Guess we'll see. You are extremely lucky. <laughs> oh wow. god damn it! Some mantids are looking at you with a you can't tell, but maybe your teammates can. Are looking at you with a this look of like slight disapproval. No one does anything. Uh, Remy, I would lay off maybe using that visor. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, did, did it do the thing? Yeah, it did the blinky thing. Uh, too jolly, too jolly. Okay, all right, yeah. No more no more visor stuff. But it is a weapon. I, I can use it as a weapon later. Hopefully not. Is Brandish Tam here? 
funny, you should ask. <laughs> no. Oh, no. As you are walking to your destinations, whether it is towards the group of manted children um, or towards cellar door, if that's where you're headed, you're going to go trying to chat with some of the vat gnomes. Venus is already deep in conversation with the woman with 14 kids. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of like two fun uncles. Well, you know, I had to come over. I, I figured that these 14 beautiful children could all be just reflections in the facets of the SRS of just one child. And I thought, no, no, look, their outfits are slightly different. But I can't believe it. What was it like? All 14 beautiful. They all look just like you. What a beautiful brood. You must be so proud. Yeah, what did it feel like? What is your, <laughs> bio, what what is your like, biology? Yeah. What is the process <laughs> by Egg. which your culture makes children? And how did it feel? <laughs> Good question, Venus. <laughs> she is just about to switch on her Babel box when you hear the same techno fanfare that you heard yesterday before you left for the coom. It's coming from the center of the ziggurat sphere, and you see uh, two people appear on it, uh, as if from nowhere. A manted councilwoman uh, wearing uh, the large, uh, geometric, uh, pointed ceremonial dress, and a vat gnome with long, dark black hair, uh, wearing go- well, Taylor. Why don't you describe what Brandish Tam looks like? Oh, he looks. <laughs> I think I've described him before as like one of those troll dolls people would keep on their desk in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> but his hair is like jet black. <laughs> That's good. And he's wearing like on bare skin. He's wearing just like a weird techno vest and like a techno loincloth with like uh, belts with pouches around his thighs and calves oh. and biceps, uh, like the X Men in the nineties. <laughs> it's very nineties. Uh, he's <laughs> he's also got a Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> I have a few of those. Yep. He floats into position, and you see that atop his head, that's not a bunch of big, crazy black hair. No, 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 it's not at all. It is a crown. It is a crown of black swords. Uh, And the swords pulse with a sort of neon black uh, light energy uh, and around them sort of swirls reality itself. As you look through his crown of Escheresque swords, you can kind of see the quote unquote real world, our 4D space sort of bending and, and oscillating through it uh, as you know the, the fifth, sixth and seventh dimensions are modulated as they pass through his will. Uh, this is very clearly the artifact that Brandish Tam is brandished uh, that allows him to have created this uh, sort of sphere of relative safety within the Escheresque, and it pulses in sort of a, a wave of announcement. Hello, I'm here! <laughs> I'm like never ready for it, like, <laughs> you know? It's me, it's Brandish Tam! I made this bubble safe for everybody, for the signing! Not exactly safe, not 100% safe. Does anyone else think this guy's obnoxious? I see snipers pointing guns at me. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at Brandish Tam. I told you I was going to give you this gift. 
We don't have to do anything. Brandon just just ruins it. Just raises, <laughs> raises his eyebrows and he tells the woman, "Oh, uh, a gift that wasn't expected." Hmm. <laughs> she flips the babel box on finally, and and you hear through the resonant um, little metal thing that's on her arm. I believe this has been in the works for quite a while. Oh. Oh, yeah, we knew that. My friend here is, uh, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he knows. It was on the invitation, right? I'm right dumb. Up. I, I'm dumb. Yes, I have been kicked by a big old horse <laughs> and, uh, in the head. I went there, was asking about the food. If you have food and tell me about your pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> You can't, you can't be, you, you have to accept when someone says he, he, oh, he's dumb. You just have to accept it. That, that backs up. Why are you so interested in manted reproduction? You respect the newly hatched classic us. Even this idiot knows to. Yes, I try. There's a booming <laughs> voice. From the center, uh, from the dais, the altar, and it's the manted councilwoman, and it's the reverse of what you heard yesterday after the fanfare. There is manted whistle that is um, spoken, um, and then a translation that follows. So you hear uh, line by line uh, the manted whistle, and then what follows. She says, ladies, in the spirit of exchange... We gather here above the firmament, which gives life to the growth of the meadow egg, and below the celestial bodies, which guide it. Brandish Tam reaches up and frames his crown, and the top, the ceiling of the ziggurat sphere kind of opens, like a disc opens above them, and uh, if you're in the right vantage, you can see into it, and it seems like it's just a, a projection of the sky. You see various bright celestial bodies, and they're moving ever so slightly. There are points in this sky that is projected that are brighter than the others. She continues, Today, our darkening soul aligns with seven other distant suns, forming a multi-system syzygy. Do you see these bright celestial bodies? And you see that there are, in fact, eight of them. They are minutes away from alignment, giving rise to a vector which points deep into the areas of charted and uncharted space that we, the mantids, and everyone is silent. It's quiet. Everyone is watching. In partnership with Tamco, might follow. That's me. <laughs> extending our reach to others while enabling the very same to reach back to us here in the meadow egg. He looks solemnly towards Brandish Tam. 
in the disk of celestial light above him, you see these eight bright bodies moments away from full alignment. Oh, no. <laughs> We're not going to have time for drinks. Oh, don't dr- don't do that. The rituals have been completed. And now, as the stars align, so do we, our interests. Our intentions. I'm Brandish Tam. As the stars align, as the planets become one, we will drink. Does everyone have the champagne toast we organized? <laughs> you look around, and a number of the mantids are effectively comatose. <laughs> um, eye, eye flaps, whatever you want to call them, fully open, all the way, like collecting dust. Staring off into space, motionless. Okay, not a performance. Doing it somberly. I'm British Tam. Wow, here it comes. And, and Venus realizes that the drink. Here it comes. And Venus realizes that the drinks, while effective in their own way, will not stop the ceremony. And Venus closes his eyes. And they are white. And then the worm that's been crawling under his skin every time he rolls eats his eyes. And he calls upon his hold. And he appears out of the manted woman's head. (laughs) An exact copy of Brandish Tam. (laughs) Vitos is crumped up in a little Brandish Tam suit. Dressed as a present with little cassinets. He pops out and he goes, That's an imposter! We're here to party! And he starts doing Cuban Pete, basically. (laughs) Somebody stop him! He's an imposter! Now, what what Vitos needs to make this effective is all... Of Brandish Tam's actual artifacts on himself, <gasps> and then and then Brandish Tam to have false ones. And so when he's searched, he'll just find little pamphlets of how stupid manted children <laughs> are and things like that. The armed unhumans immediately level their laser gazelles. They do not know what is going on. They just know they have been briefed on the right, it's like There are taboos, but to these people, it is extremely important that this deal goes through. To the council people, to Brandish Tam, you know, to these dignitaries. Like, you don't know what the sort of geopolitical or galactopolitical backstory is here, but, like, this is a big deal. There are a lot of really important people here. And so they've basically been told, like, listen, there are taboos we cannot allow any of these taboos to happen. So you just gotta stop it before it happens. Keep an eye out and do whatever you gotta do. So as soon as this occurs, something is irregular and we start talking about gifts, they have no idea what to do. There's this very tense moment. The mantis woman up front, front, quote unquote, very close to the dais, she's wearing this bright orange uh, ceremonial outfit and she is on a beach with her husband, whom she loves in a way that is consuming to her. It is 
expansive and unconditional. The waves are rolling in. They're on vacation? They're, they're visiting somewhere? She is furious about this. She does not understand this feeling. Towards a male manted, the large rotund man with the satellite eyes taking a large drink of his pink liquor and he's just reaching into the chest cavity of a solarian and pulling out their heart the man with the beetle beard is just staring at his feet <laughs> and then he's staring down at his hands and he's fixing a clock and a distant voice says dinner's ready Okay, Taylor, now let's talk about what we want to do. Oh my god. All around the room, massive room full of people, there are many of these individual experiences happening. People are seeing something that is true. They don't know why they're seeing it. They might not really know that it's true because they, they don't know what's going on. But a lot of them, and I want to be clear that like a lot of them, like the sea beam machine, the sea beam bucket that Remy made has been busy. They're having these experiences. Sea beam is at its base a drug that requires the substrate of time which behaves very strangely in the Escheresque. And so Seabeam behaves strangely. So all of these people having these experiences together in this room sort of bends and pushes time. It pushes against it like the air on the inside of a balloon or like blowing on tissue paper creates these ripples and these waves and it creates motion and motion is energy it's power and that is what venos is able to kind of grab onto or ride he's able just in this brief moment as mantis woman is on the beach with her husband whom she loves as Algar goes and eats dinner with Beta as Cracked just digs into the chest cavity of the Solarian as this Hannah works on um, her model train projects at home as uh, everybody there is having these strange little experiences able to jump into all of these little individual moments and gather what he needs pamphlets he made ahead of time before (laughs) in the future and brought back uh, that explain that all of this is a joke and is not meant to be serious he rides sails to a timeline and grabs Nick this is a question maracas I said castanets castanets these are just images in Venus's mind as he appeals to the universe to to bend to reality to his will that's what he gets that's what you get Okay, yeah, you get what yeah, you, you asked for. Yeah, you get now what take you asked it. For. Now sit in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll sit in it. And and though it is the potential energy created in the movement of time by the sea beam, 
by hallucinations that allows Venus to go to these various locations in eventuality or possibility, these things happen in actuality. They happen in the room with these people, with the fleeters, with Brandish Tam, with the Manted Council people, with the, the, the Mantish children. And everybody snaps too. And they see inexplicably exactly what Venus described. Brandish Tam doing the Cuban Pete at the most important ceremony that cannot be repeated for literal eons because the syzygy won't happen again until then. <laughs> you don't know how many, but multiple laser gazelles go off. Brandish Tam, please roll movement. Which Brandish Which Tam? Brandish Tam? <laughs> Taylor Brandish Tam, please roll movement. Ooh! Brandish Prime, rolls a three! Venos Brandish Tam, Nick Brandish Tam, Nick Venos Brandish Tam, <laughs> please roll movement. Now, I roll a six, but just to be clear, is this Brandish Tam from the future from the party who's actually moving right now? Or is this Venos in a little costume like he imagined? Um, what actually happened in the universe. Venos even uses this time energy to infiltrate Brandish Tam's own library stockpile of Archaea Tech in this moment while the party's happening to find something of use. And what he finds is essentially a device that allows him to pilot another person. It requires invasive surgery. <laughs> Good. But in the infinite timeline available to Venus through the energy provided by the sea beam, this is immaterial. He can find a time, a place, a moment, known to brandish or not, who's to say the details are lost to the sands of occurrence. He manages to get that implanted into a brandished ham, and then he manages to go and find that brandished ham, and that is the brandished ham that appears in front of everyone. And suddenly, in the room, Venus has in his hands a small box covered in lights, with electrodes attached to his own head. He's effectively Brandish Tam's wireless homunculus, controlling him from afar as he emerges from seemingly nowhere in front of this group of people who emerge themselves from their own hallucinogenic experience. They see a man who's the same as another man doing the Cuban Pete. Okay, well, he rolled a six. Whoever it is, it's rolled a six. <laughs> the Cuban beat guy rolled a six. Lasers pierce the original brandished hands. <gasps> but I, what? Ow! I was so close. You people, I've seen things you wouldn't believe. I'm brandished ham. Wow. <laughs> Even in death. Oh, what a world, what a world, what a world. Brandish Tam takes 14 damage. 
Yikes. Well, you got to understand that British Tam, his whole thing was he was these, it was his gadgets. It was his uh, artifacts. Like he, that's what he was protected by. That is what gave him his power, his intelligence, his strength. He's not wearing a lot of clothes because he doesn't need to. And now this guy, everything's just been turned into essentially yeah. dust. He's got nothing. He is truly, uh, in a profound way, naked, which is why the lasers were able to pierce him in the first place. And now, oh, he slips the bonds, the surly bonds of this mortal coil. Everybody gasps and screams and starts shouting. A bunch of pamphlets come out of his pockets. <laughs> Mercus is pointing and saying out loud, what do those say? <laughs> Someone, someone, clo- someone close to the front of the stage says, this guy's got pamphlets. Pamphlets. <laughs> <laughs> He's packing. Bro's packing heat, dude. Because he's, he's the king of the room beat. The, cr- the crown falls from his head, but it's a decoy. Uh, it doesn't, it's not the real one. It doesn't matter. Nothing happens. Venus, you take seven damage. I'm British Tam. Second Brandish Tam plucked from a time, a moment, a scenario where, for some reason or another, he was doing the Cuban Pete. (laughs) Is also hit with multiple Giselle shots. Pink mist fills the area. Everybody gasps and shouts. People are starting to run to the edge edges, question mark, of the room. And he falls. His crown falls off. Everybody suddenly gets nauseous again. You really, you feel like you're standing, but you're falling. You feel like you're existing in time, but in every direction. You don't really know where the corners are anymore, and it's getting a little bit harder to breathe. You hear people around you groaning and retching, and everything gets blurry, and as soon as you can focus on anything, it looks like people are standing through pieces of wall. It looks like people are somehow on both sides of the room at the same time. The multiple uh, mantid children who you were all near all sort of seem for a second like one mantis child. Um, And this woman seems to be describing in vicious detail her birth. And that is not helping. (laughs) (laughs) And then everything feels fine again. (sighs) Don't do that again, please. You look towards the center of the room and you see cellar door wearing her gray suit. She looks bigger. Maybe like one and a half times larger, and she is dark, dark gray. A different shade of the smart suit that she's wearing, and you can see that her hands and her legs, the parts that aren't covered by fabric, are misting and vibrating and evaporating into the air. One of her six arms lower one picks up the crown passes it to a middle arm which passes it to the top arm which puts it on her head 
and a voice comes out of her, you have not heard. <laughs> she says, I should have known. What are you, all of you? Insects. Insects, the way the ancients used the term. Small, useless, powerless under the boot of being so much larger than you, you cannot even comprehend them. The Escheresque gate that you passed through in order to get here closes. Insects in need of a leader. A queen to turn your meandering lives into lives of purpose. Queen, not a gnome, not a councilwoman. Worse, worse than insects. She points to the two brandished hams at her feet. Outsiders meddling in our affairs. No, I will run the meadow egg. I will be its trade lord. I see now, through the eyes of the Archduke Tlosk, that you, she points at the crowd, must know fear the way this, and she points down at Brandish Tam, has known death. And she expands into a bright, red, fleshy volcano. She fills the center of the room with spikes and chitin and fire, and it just becomes this, if you've ever seen fire in the Escheresque, it's blue, and it spreads in all directions at once. And it just eats matter as it expands from its source, and you hear her voice just echoing through as everybody shouts and screams and tries to find an exit, and you just see people being pierced through the center by spiked manted parts on the ends of these large fleshy tendrils as anything that even remotely resembles the cellar door that you have come to know disappears in a rhizome of just monstrous material. Mike? Uh oh. Go ahead, Taylor. Oat is going to steal the crown. <laughs> <laughs> You know when a tree grows around a bicycle? Yeah. <laughs> it's that. That's the crown. Yeah. yeah. You can you can see it. Can't steal a tree. Steal. Name a stealable object. I don't think it's is it a stealable object? I'm going to say in in the world of possibility, especially in this <laughs> game, yeah, there is a yeah, absolutely. Possible. I'm thinking okay. I'm thinking this entity is Distracted by their bodily transformation. I mean, you know, if you're gonna pick, if you're gonna pick Tetsuo's pocket, you wait until he's exploding. <laughs> you true. know, it's like hey, just wait ten yeah. minutes. This guy's gonna get real distracted in a second. Tetsuo. <laughs> All right. So while the villain is monologuing and transforming into the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, Oat is going to scud a scud behind them and up their back and try and rip the crown off the head and steal it. Okay, roll, so I have to burn me, eight grit and roll uh, movement a plus on my a level. Um, oh shit! Okay, wait. Okay, okay, okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. Move is, is my highest so move. This is this is Oat's main thing, other All than right. other than line. Laser Gisales are going off left and right. The unhuman warriors are attempting to stop whatever cellar door has become, and they are failing. 
Hmm. Why? Why would they try and stop the? Oh no! I look at the <laughs> all the kids yeah. <laughs> been stomped on like Godzilla versus Bambi. All right, what do I have to beat? I mean, it's not easy. <laughs> I want you to succeed, but I also want to give you a challenge that you can meet and exceed. So it's twelve. Oh yeah, did he burger it? It is a circular okay. crown fully embedded in the trunk of a manted woman who has supped of some of the most powerful ducal blood that you can get your hands on and has now become essentially a tumor in space-time. And he's going to show us the dice as he rolls. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. <gasps> Boom, motherfuckers! That's What'd a 10! That is a 10! That is a 10! 10 plus 5, it's a 15, my friend. Oi! It's Whoa. a 15! Oh, Give me wow. that crown. That's a 15! <laughs> Taylor rolled well. You risked it all and it worked? Oh, Hachimama. Wow. Oh, he's got hot hands, bro. He's got hot hands. Tell me all about it. I mean, while the villain is monologuing, I scud a Gera up the back, which doesn't have a lot of nerves because it's busy growing. <laughs> it's the best time to pickpocket someone as they're talking and their body's changing. <laughs> uh, uh, they're distracted. Uh, who could blame them? Um, yeah. Oat gets up there and right, right before, this is like Indiana Jones reaching in after his hat under the uh, under the, yes. the, the stone door. Right before this last like lump of nano flesh like overcomes the last Escheres sword on the crown, Oat grabs it and it just slides right out. Cause it's wet in there and it's loose, you know? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You pull it out, and it's a very confusing combination of, like, goopy and also, like, a particulate system. Like, it is clearly wet, but it is wet, and it's because it is made up of individual nanorobots. It's, like, one thing trying to be another thing and doing it very well, but not being able to deny the fundamentals of its material nature. Great. You got it. I have the Escheresque sword crown. Everybody, roll movement. Oh, I've been here before. Seven. Eleven. Perfect roll. I rolled eight. Damn. Venus. I rolled a six. You all miraculously escape being pincered, swallowed, oh, swallowed enveloped, and oh. otherwise trapped in the growing morass, the miasma that is Cellar Door, uh, as she very systematically attempts to, quote-unquote, show fear to everybody who is in attendance. Mike, uh, this is just a straight-up movement roll? Straight-up movement roll. I rolled a two. Oh, oh, we didn't hear from Oat. Oh, fuck. Oat was moving while all of this was happening and stealing, so. I mean, you got it in your hands, and you passed that movement roll. This is a separate movement this is a, roll. This is, this, is after, this is the consequences of that motion. Oat yeah. grabs the crown, has it, feels for a moment a kind of power that is encased in this thing somehow. Feels a, a preternatural understanding and even comfort in the Escheresque for a brief moment before he looks down and sees that fully half of his insectoid legs are being swallowed by a gray mass that is ejecting <laughs> from the center <laughs> trunk of Cellar Door. I know I already took my like turn, 
but can I throw this to a companion? Uh, yes, absolutely. I would let you do that. Just uh, roll combat. All right, Mike, for this roll, can I double boost? You can spend six to add six, yes. Yes, okay, so total I roll is, Mike, an eight. Okay, you, you managed to throw the crown. Who do you want to throw it to? Marcus. <laughs> we love Marcus. Yeah. The driver. Yeah. The, lo- the logical choice, yeah, yeah. Marcus is the right choice. Um, Merc is going to take a quick free action. <laughs> this is possible. <laughs> we're, out, we're not in combat. You're just trying to not get swallowed by a thing. So, okay. yeah, go for it. Cool. Yeah, Mercus is doing cartwheels, uh, climbing up on the wall, avoiding all these spikes, um, and uh, does reposition, which is expertly uh, casing the joint. And um, just looking at where things are flying, maybe recognizing a pattern of where the claws are appearing, and he gets an extra uh, D12 to roll on the next opportunity. So, Mercus, you see through the air uh, coming towards you in the uh, the hail of the chaos, um, everybody running around trying to avoid getting pierced, squished, enveloped, whatever, an Escheresque crown, a crown made of melted Escheresque blades flying towards you. Pieces of cellar door, pieces of other people uh, passing through and around it, but miraculously it makes its way in your general vicinity. Ah, ah, Marcus, catch! Huh? And he, uh, he's currently like backflipping off of a wall and you sees the crown hurtling towards him and he doesn't maneuver his body for his head to catch it. He is catching it with his hands and puts it on his belly because that is where his brain oh, actually fuck. is. Belly crown. And what? he's like, Every, everybody hold on. And he, uh, he lands and uh, is now seemingly in control of the room. Well, is he? Because the second you grab that crown, you feel a thick. You, you can tell the fingers on this hand are rat- like beautiful German bratwursts. Uh, oh. Grab the end of your tail and pull you backwards. It is the large floating man with the eight uh-huh. eyeballs circling his, his head. And you hear him say, um, my apologies, but I have to confiscate this on behalf of the worshipful company of Stilfleeter. The cow and Mercus kind of like kicks his legs and kind of uses that momentum to jerk uh, his tail taut and it comes clean off. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh, Yo, lizard powers! Oh! Gecko power! It comes clean off and the momentum of this person pulling his tail it whaps them in the face <laughs> like a club. He's covered in tail stump slime now. That'll grow back in three weeks. Okay, uh, not worth it. <laughs> um, yeah, and Mercus's first priority is to open the door. How's this thing work? Roll will beat a nine. If you are successful, you must burn 12 grit. Marcus is going to burn six in addition and use that D12 from reposition. I love it. So that is oh, <laughs> rolling 11s tonight. Uh, so that is plus the six. So 17. Yes. 17. 
bait baby yeah. driver <laughs> yeah. taking us out of here. Yeah, you just hear a bunch of like squirming and <laughs> <laughs> and Lagrange by ZZ Top. <laughs> well, yeah, it's fine. Uh, this is gonna take a lot of thinking. And uh, with that, Mercus uh, opens the front door so everybody can get out. Not just the crew, but, you know, all of these panicking people. Everybody, please roll movement again. And, Oat, if you get a nine or higher, we can say that you wriggle out. I I rolled that number that make you do the YouTube thumbnail face. A one. (laughs) (gasps) What? (laughs) He's pogging. (laughs) Eleven for me. Nice, 11. I unfortunately got a three. Oh, I got a four. Marcus got a six. Remy's doing backflips. There is, unfortunately, a horrible crunching sound (gasps) as Oat is swallowed by Cellar Door's flesh. But it worked. (laughs) Tell everybody I look cooler than I think this does. Oh, what a world, what a world, what a world. It's like when someone steps on a aluminum can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then a geyser of blood <laughs> rockets up from Ew. the new orifice on the creature's shoulder. Remy's like, it's not how we would have wanted to go, but it's close. Getting swallowed by a, a large woman. That seems like an oat way to go. That does seem like an oat way to go. <laughs> Remy! <laughs> <laughs> Beta and Venus look down and their feet are starting to get pulled around by this dusty, fleshy, encroaching mass uh, that is growing throughout the room. Venus throws off the headgear that he had on to control the future Brandish Tam that he took back um, uh, in his most vulnerable Pew and Pete state um, and starts running towards uh, Marcus and says, Marcus, open us directly to the Anox! And, uh, and continued running. Oh! Beta is getting overwhelmed. She's not necessarily running towards the gate. She's getting confused and overwhelmed, and, and her nice new shoes are getting ruined. Uh, uh, what? Um, uh. Remy, like, blazes past and just grabs her arm. And is like, nah, uh, come on. What? Be okay. professional. Uh, <laughs> Wake huh? up. He slaps her. Ow! Mercus is concentrating really hard, <laughs> rubbing his tummy. <laughs> that's where his brain is. And he's saying, Rigamonti, Rigamonti. And tries to make another door just for us. How does you wanna this work? Do, you want to open up a second? <laughs> you want to use the the crown? The crown to, to tack out. Uh, I mean, it's going to work the same way. Roll will beat nine. Uh, Mercus starts to look a little pale as you all start to approach him. Mercus, are you feeling okay? Oh, no. Should I do the honor? Please. Okay. Please. And you hear this suction noise come off as the crown leaves his belly. Uh, Vino's quickly rolls. What's the roll again, Mike? As the crown passes from person to person, there's a moment of destabilizing. You feel sort of... Oh, God. God. And then it's rotating on Vino's Mm. head. Uh, Roll will beat a nine and then burn 12 grit. Yeah, Mercus's magnetic hair is wobbling. It's not rotating. Venus puts on the crown and then begins to open up something that is already there. It's like, he thinks it's going to be hard to try to, like, uh, 
imagine a door or like imagine the planet and then the portal will show up. It's like whenever he gets a crown on and he goes to do it, it's like he has to try to figure out which one is right. It's like it's not like uh, you have to like will something into being, but rather like kind of like collapse a bunch of different doors into one that's right. Um, and he does it. Uh, but it's very taxing for him. He rolls a 12. Um, that's been boosted twice, and minus 12 means that he's got uh, a total of minus 18 grit in order to open this door directly into the Saffron and Nox's audience chamber. You all pile in or through or out? Kind of just it doesn't even feel himself, but he uh, is already going through it as he's creating it. Yeah, Mergus hobbles in. Yeah, Remy uh, jumps through and like drags Beta yeah. through the portal. It feels amazing. <laughs> you are back in three space and it is like being home again in the most base level way. Your body knows that this is where your body, your brain, every aspect of your proprioception knows this is where you are supposed to be and it is incredible until all of you strike the floor of the Saffron and Nox's audience chamber because the portal was opened pointing down a few feet above uh, yeah, in, in the air. Remind me not to go to a party in the Usher-esque ever again. We didn't know it was going to be there. You took the crown with you, so as you leave and the portal closes, you hear the distant screams of (laughs) people who now are experiencing the Escheresque in its full full power, Um, (laughs) and now uh, also probably, you know, cellar door is unleashing even further horrors to this group of people. Well, hopefully those Um, portals stay open for at least a bit. You are. Oh, that's right. You you did open a second (laughs) one, so hopefully hopefully still there for a little while. Anybody who's who hasn't been eaten is is that's there's probably like one guy, right? There's we'll no see. way. There's more than like one guy. Uh, here I'll roll some dice and find out. <laughs> You're in the audience chamber. It's calm. It's nice. The Anox is here. He is in his chair, a perfectly stoic, rippling gray blue man shape. Uh, vaguely paisley pattern passing across his surface. Yeah, he's he's like he's leaning really far back on one arm, and he's got one leg all the way over the other arm. You know, kind of sitting sideways, just really eating it up. <laughs> the Deva Shasho is there, standing basically at attention. Welcome home. Oh, would you mind getting off me, BC? Oh, uh, sorry. Hmm. <clears throat> <clears throat> There's a little bit of flesh robot still attached to your shoes, BC. <laughs> Venus has also lost his shoe again somehow, and he's back where he started, essentially, looking for a shoe again in the Anox's audience chamber. Have you checked your five? Where did that thing go? Uh, did you check, check your five? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Remy stands up and is swaying a little bit, says, Anox, Hello? And suddenly he's right there in the frame with you. Uh, no sudden movements, please. Yeah, we just been through it. You probably did. You see that? Did you see what happened? Did you, were you looking? Apologies for the banality of a debrief, but my attention was elsewhere. I wasn't paying attention. You'll have to fill me in later, I suppose. Uh, well, yeah, we got a thing, and the Tam situation is resolved. Ah, yes, reports are coming in now. Wonderful. A classic power vacuum in the nexus of a sector. (laughs) 
I suppose I feel the same way you must when you see a sun rise or set. I'm not quite sure. Yes, I suppose it's probably similar. And where is my favorite boy? Your favorite? <laughs> where's where's he died Ed? brutally? Unfortunately, uh, he got what? he got eaten by a big lady. big lady. He was the reason we were able to escape. Yes. Oh, it wasn't bad though. No. He he really seemed to like it at the end. I think. Not Oat. He was, as we all agreed in our many conversations. Yes. The best of us. <laughs> I think I remember saying something like that. Yes. I don't know if I agree with that. But all right. Else, but but we, we will all miss him. The Anak sort of looks off into the distance. The hours we spent together telling each other our stories, our lives, <laughs> trying at our best to share perspectives. Yes, people laughed at us and said huh? we could never be friends. How could we have a relationship? And yet. There was something there. Something neither of us could exactly You're doing explain. the thing again where you just talk about stuff that didn't happen. There's a, a scene where, like, Oat is at a water cooler with the Anox. <laughs> <laughs> Although, we must take some solace in the fact that he did say that if he had to die one day, it would be eaten by a big woman. <laughs> I, boss, that is certainly what happened. Absolutely. I feel absolutely terrible. I think it's fa fair to say I've never felt quite this way before. Is this what you describe as profound grief at the loss of a beautiful twin soul? Uh, are you, you... I feel as if a great force from outside is rushing at me from an angle I can't quite perceive. The Devashasha was walking slowly towards the Anox. Oh no. Is he, is he unstable? As a, Sasha, you feel it as well. Something is amiss. Confusion. It can't be the Escheresque Sword Crown, could it? No. Its range is low. This is love. Much larger. No. I <laughs> for you, of course. Yes. However, I I feel quite. This is. Extraordinary. Uh, you'll have to excuse me. Um, good work, of course. You may retire to your quarters. Uh, you, you've certainly earned your rest, it appears. I'm afraid I have to leave. Um, <laughs> I feel a bit under the weather, which I, I, I think is how you would say it. Uh, very strange for me as well, especially, of course, because many people would say I am the world. <laughs> and you look down and there is <laughs> vapor. There's it looks like steam coming out of the Anox's torso. And the Anox looks down and says, S -s Smoking? Uh... And then an enormous green crystal column explodes out of his chest. And his entire body reverse evaporates into an enormous green crystal. Oh, what? what? I think that means we should go. Ah, uh, he's holding these planets together. Oh, right. Yes. Aren't you tired? Let's go home. Let's uh, go anywhere but oh, here. Oh, that reminds me. I, I have to be somewhere. And Venus actually rushes to the corner that he started in at the very beginning. And he said, I told you I'd be right back. And um, one second he's there and one second he's not. And the crown gone with him. Everybody else feels the floor, the ground underneath them start to shake. Again? Okay. 
Remy sighs and looks at Mercus. It's like, can you get us out of here? Mercus sighs. <sighs> yep. now leaving Float City. Thanks for listening. This concludes our return to Float City mini-arc. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you to Wythe and the whole Still Fleet team for supporting it. If you haven't already, please be sure to back the Still Fleet Kadita Kickstarter. Link in the show notes, and stay tuned here in the feed for the continuation of the main Fun City narrative. That's right, we're heading back to NYC 2102, picking back up this summer. Release schedule updates soon to follow. If you like the show and want to help us keep making it, you can throw us a couple bucks a month at patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures, where you get access to our not quite bi-weekly chat show fun chatty, fun and interesting discord, Mork Borg side games, and patron exclusive merch, including a soup dog shirt and Jast Reclamation stickers. That is all at patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. And of course, thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat. Hi, I'm Bijan Steven, and I play Remy Tester on Float City. You can find me online on Twitter at Bijan Steven, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitch at the same name, and on Instagram at Bijan Cakes, B-I-J-A-N Cakes. I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Mercus Imeldar. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Randwiches. That's the word sandwiches, but replace the S with an R. This is Shannon O'Dell. I play Beta Combat. You can find me on social at Shodell. Hello, this is Nick Gersio, and I play Lux on Fun City and Venos on Float City. You can find me at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter and in Gersio on Instagram. You spell Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O. I'm Taylor Moore, and I play all the cool, interesting characters. You can follow me at taylor.biz. <laughs> My name is Mike Rignetta. I am your GM, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rignetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun City Ventures. This episode of Fun City was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York, and Los Angeles, California. It was edited by Sam Grant and produced and sound designed by me, Mike Rignetta. Pixel Riffs would never think to disrespect the newly hatched. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall, with tracks by Will Savino and Borrow Bound. Our art is by Tess Stone and Ethan Gould. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kelly McHugh, and Kit Pulliam. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton. <laughs>